Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with the amazing, awesome, wonderful Jen Phillips-Kirkwood, VP the Edge Future of Work at ADP. Jen is responsible for the overall execution of the Future of Work team, the Edge, to provide just-in-time ideation in innovation for worldwide companies. The goal of the Edge is to support global enterprise solutions in elevating the HCM transformation consulting experience. She's been a champion for all things analytics and innovation and women in STEM. She has been named one of the top rising women in HR technology and women in data to watch. So I think this is going to be a very special, awesome episode. Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, what an intro. Thank you, Bill. Lovely to be here. So beyond my wee introduction there, please tell the listeners a bit more about yourself and uh, what you get up to. Well, I, I think I'm a little bit of a direct future work lab experiment, right or wrong. Um, in fact, if you were asking me, you know, how I got in this role today, it's a little bit of an enigma. Um, as a millennial, I snuck that one in there, or probably more of a zillennial. I've had three major milestones that have kind of defined the future of work career experience that I've had. I had an incredible woman business leader. In fact, this is before women business leaders were even wrote about who mentored me. Then I had the second incredible business leader that took me under his wing and really gave me this career changing moment, which led to this amazing career in data science. So imagine taking somebody with just this propensity for technology and getting me into the data science world, helping me through to get to that Johns Hopkins degree and furthering my education with exposure to chief data scientists and now leading into that Rutgers and Wharton school. And then three, and this is where it gets super interesting with the future work trends perspective is now defining that career sideways movement because I just didn't want that upward trajectory that you hear about in careers, but really wanting that sideways movement. I wanted skills. I wanted to keep acquiring that brain food and that skills. I wanted to have that cool experience in different things in more technology, but not always what the career boards always showed me. So I had an amazing leader, have an amazing leader, that continues to ask me every couple of years, where are you? What do you want to do next? And ask me to write down and inventory my strengths and what's going next. And so consequently, that's why I'm leading that incredible team of masterminds that you forementioned with the edge and understand the future work and our futurist propensity and looking at the trends and the future work and helping companies make sense of this madness of digital transformation but more importantly, simplify the why, the when, and the how it yields to real productivity and impact in this thing called the modern workforce. I know it's absolutely, make no mistake, Bill, wicked freaking fun. And it's a cool story because those who know me in the industry and the networking, when you hear about the story, we all know 27%, according to ADP Research Institute, of the workforce look to leave, especially our Gen Zs, our Gen Zers, will leave a job for less pay if they can get those experiences, that sideways movement of careers like this. So if you think about how we can help employers and more of those modern workforce and those leaders explore the hourly, the pay equality, those issues in mentoring and STEM roles, there's so much more to be understood around that. 
So it's more than pay. And that's kind of like, in a nutshell, the intro. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, part of my research <laughs> uh, ahead of this interview today, Jen, I, I, I was reading uh, the ADP Research Institute and the Workforce Vitality Report. It, it said that 27% of workers would jump to a new job at the same or less pay if it better aligned with their values. And um, I just think that's awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm also a, a millennial just a xenial if you will born in 1983 <laughs> giving everybody away my age now uh, i've got lots of gray hairs however um and i i get it it's important right it is and i think understanding like what motivates them and how to like figure out like those career postings you put on job boards not always relevant in terms of what really matters like those job descriptions and what really connects are not always the same thing in terms of what's inspiring them and, and what others are offering in the market then to get them to leave of that 27%. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. It's time to transform your workplace for good. Espresso.com is the first culture benefits platform designed to help create total community, well-being and recognition, and with an experience that HR and people love. Join companies like Pinterest, Tesla, Box, and ServiceNow who are already using Espresso to make their cultures happier and healthier. Espresso.com is total well-being and culture benefits reimagined. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com and request a demo today. The people power is in the platform. Okay, so you're talking at Hacking HR. That's how you and I came together. Uh, there's a there's an amazing online Hacking HR conference coming up in early March. We're recording this uh, towards the middle of Feb. In fact, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I better get on that, otherwise my partner will uh, not be happy. Anyway, um, so uh, you're talking <laughs> you're talking at the uh, the Hacking HR conference um, uh, next month uh, about the the future of work. Are we ready, Jen? Is HR ready? Is HR ready for the future work? Well, they're definitely ready for the Hacking HR conference because we have over, and this is growing, 7,000 that are ready to attend this Hacking HR conference. And this is a global conference. And they better be ready to attend because according to Gardner, there's only 9%, 9% of CHROs in North America that agree that their organizations are ready for the future of work. That's a staggering statistic when you think about it, because there's so much hype and so many people will say to me, you know, we've been talking about the future of work for a long time now. Like, can't we just go ahead and acknowledge that the future is now? Well, when you think about that, only 9% in North America agree that their orgs are ready for it. We really have to stop and acknowledge that and really digest what that means. Like, that's why organizations, that's why leaders need to attend events like Hacking HR in this March 3rd to 6th event, listening to the global organizations, listening to the C-suite leaders, listening to how the globalization, the trends, the C-suite, the redesign of jobs, listen to what these ideations have shared because, one, 46% of HR leaders report employees, workers lack technical skills necessary to drive future performance. And one perplexing problem is also organizations are also driving, they're solving problems in traditional manners. Now you might think, okay, well, that's all right. If they're trying to solve problems in the way we always solve problems, that might not be okay. That might be fine. But when 90% 
of the S&P's top 100. So listen to the top big companies out in North America, and they're recruiting for the same 39 job roles in the same way, in the same traditional way. So when 90% of the S&P are recruiting for the same 39 job roles, what does that tell us? We're stuck. So if everyone's after these same job roles, and we know unemployment in Canada and the U.S. is some of the all-time lows right now, how are those jobs going to get filled? And this is why hacking HR is about hacking HR and hacking what has been traditional with new ideas and new innovations. And not everything is about tech. It's about that redesign of ideas and what we have to share. I mean, how can even an organization be competitive if they're not sharing into those ideas? Well, they can't. That's the answer. They've got to, they've got to, <laughs> they've got to attend this conference, right, and, and, and hear from you, and then they're going to get all the correct answers, I'm sure. That's how they do it. Okay, so what do you think HR needs to do to start in the future of work? There are many trends, but from your perspective, what, what's the priority? <laughs> the priority? That is a big question all in itself. And that's why I think that we're going to take three days over the conference of Hacking HR to really expand and explore that with so many different experts, panelists from Dave Ulrich to Josh Burzen and so on. Because, and I have an esteemed panel exploring on RPA and business process automation, as well as a, a great chairman of a think tank around the future of work. There are so many different experts. So from a priority standpoint, I think you'll hear a lot of ideas on that. There's a lot to unwind. But regarding job design, unbundling of talent dependency, skills inventory, gig and freelance, and at the core of all these trends, from my personal experience, I offer at the core one thing to, that every futurist needs to start with. What does my data say? In 2019, Burzen actually shared, uh, this is one of my favorite quotes actually, and it puzzles people. I don't know, Bill, let's see if it puzzles you. Burzen shared that 2% of HR has mature people analytics. I'm doing the air quotes on there. People analytics. And what is that? It's composed of many things, but notably, he says it's composed of data optimization. It's not a one-time event. It's an iterative process. And the one thing I will offer, it's not a dashboard, but it's really a combination of a lot of different data points and HR people, HR systems. And it's only 2%. And in this day and age, for a future of work, where we are, we haven't been talking future work newness. We've been talking about it for a while. And only 2% of HR has mastered it from a maturity level. That's where we need to start to uncover where that prioritization is to start and understand where to start with the trends. Okay. So um, you, you've given a clear roadmap about how to do this, but why, why do data projects fail then? Okay, now you're going to get me started on my, on my passion here. Oh, no. All right, here we go. So, here we go, everybody. <laughs> I know, right? Why do data projects fail? Oh, I could go on on this, and I, I think my team would probably just eye roll at this point. Well, first of all, like, about 85% of data projects fail, and this is a North American statistic here, so your Canada viewers, would, would listeners should also love this, but 85% of data projects fail with data integration being the number one reason why. In fact, to add to that, 
You know how many HR systems are still not integrated, even though that's all we talk about, Bill? Take a guess. How many of HR systems do you think are not integrated? A lot. Above, get it like north or south of 50%. Well, uh, I think you're leading me here. So I'm going to, I'm going to go north, <laughs> of 50, north of 50%, Jen. It's actually 60%. Oh my goodness! Wow, wow. 60%. How is it in the two in this day and age that it's 60% of HR systems are not integrated? And leading into some of the why still is privacy. Privacy is a massive concern. GDPR compliance, privacy. In fact, fun fact for everybody to have it at their family dinners and and joke with their peers. Since 2013, in fact, four million records. We're stolen from breaches every day. And Bill, I got to like have some fun with the math on this because I'm a bit of a math nerd, which actually equates to 150000 per hour. And I got another cool stat for you. So what do you think the average cost of a breach is in Canadian? Uh, more than it would be in the US, Jen. Um, just, because <laughs> of, just because the uh, currency exchange rate. You're, yeah, your wit never fails to amaze me. 5.1 million, 5.19 million Canadian and 3.92 million US dollars. That's so like, crazy. if you think about that, the privacy is going up. We overlooked it for a while. Everybody was going to the cloud. Now the privacy is back, insurmountable. HR systems are now disconnected still. So data projects are failing. Like it is hard to get these systems connected. Privacy is still a threat. So, okay, so maybe Burson's line aside into that 2% has maybe more merit than one would initially think. But there is more missed opportunity here than we can, can we really overlook. And there's a focus on the wrong question. So often consultants or clients or executives are going to say, look, I just need a dashboard. Where's my dashboard? And I will say that is the worst question ever. I see studies. I see analysts. I see um, executive presentations sometimes with other companies out in the circuits or showcases. And, and that is the worst question to start with. There's a lot to unwind under the data question. And it starts with what question can I solve? And how do I build trust in my data? That is core to everything we do. So imagine that you want to start with the questions of the right questions in my data. And let me tell you, the right questions in the data are not, what is my 401k report? That is not the right question. And it actually is a steer for HR to think about now using the right questions. The right questions are, what is my turnover in the, what is my turnover compared to my peers? Or another great compelling question is, we helped a, a manufacturer, we consulted with a company in a manufacturing that was defending against a competitor coming into that market that was gonna do massive hiring in their IT department. What does my pay or my compensation look like in my IT department in that market where my competitor is coming in and going to do high volume hiring? That's the right question. Why? Why does it matter to the business to be more competitive? What else? To defend against the business, right? But what else? To make sure that we're guarding against costs. What else? To make sure we're delivering on time to our customers. All the different business implications are what we need to link to. And so often the HR requests have not linked to the business. When you link the HR questions 
to the business, you've not only involved tech or IT in the request, but you've involved finance. And when you get that perfect triangle of HR and finance and IT, it no longer becomes sometimes a challenge of friction between IT and HR, which we have a really beautiful way of balancing, but it becomes a nice marriage and friendship of HR and finance and IT prioritizing the questions that we need to guard against. And you get a synergy going. Once you get synergies going, you block and tackle. You get the systems, you get the sources of data you need, and then you build the right questions. And furthermore, past that, then it's about putting insights in the hands of those who need it timely enough. Then it's about how do I control my overtime or how do I control um, the dollars in my location? And by the way, those are associated with leader insights. We had a convenience store, a convenience store with 30,000 employees. And they said, there's no way we're going to get our leaders to care. They're in petroleum, gas station, drive off we are not going to get them to look at analytics. They are playing Angry Birds or Fortnite at three in the morning or looking for drive-off. If you put it in the mobile, in that beautiful intersection of where life happens and where business matters with the right snackable bite, they will care because it will matter then. And that's what they did. And that's why they had a $3 million savings. Now you got the business's attention and it's not about dashboards and it's not about, you know, not trusting the data. It's about little tiny baby steps and it's not biting off the whole apple. It's not about a huge, gigantic, big data project. It's about just start with a question. And so I get very passionate with the future work and the trends of saying, just please start with a question. Don't take on the whole solar system. Start with one question that matters right now. Maybe two or three will come right afterwards, but let's just get one. Let's get that one right. Hey, Jen, we're coming towards the end of this interview. Before we wrap things up, can you tell our listeners how they can learn more about you, The Edge, and the panel that you'll be involved at, at Hacking HR's HR Innovation and Future of Work conference? Sure. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn at Jen Phillips Kirkwood and definitely stay in touch with me there or on Twitter at Jen Phillips K. And please connect with me on Hacking HR March 3rd through the 6th. We will be hosting the C-suite on one of the panels that's advertised and the panels that are advertised from RPA to AI, innovation, diversity, inclusion, globalization in different countries from Asia Pac to India to Latin America, they have covered the gamut. So when you really think about looking for best practices from your peers and from topics that you might have shied away from or been too intimidated to raise your hand to ask, this is the perfect format to connect. And that's the other piece. There's no PowerPoint. There's no boring, stodgy sessions. You get to live interaction, and that's just the best. We call out to you in there with your questions, and you get to question the panelists and ask your questions within each panel directly. So please join us. We have over 7,000 and growing attendees, and we look forward to seeing you there. Wonderful. That just leaves me to say for today, Jen, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.